Hey guys, it's Alec here to remind you to check the trigger warnings before today's episode. So get comfy and you can find everything in the description down below, including our new transcripts. Before we dive into today's spooks, I would recommend that you stick around till the end of today's episode to hear a trailer from our friends over at Your Horror Show. Have a safe listen. Mythill presents Circe's. Episode 10. All lies on you. <clears throat> Alrighty then. The case file I picked up today is labeled 0918254-09. It was written on the 14th of January 2010 by Nick Westman. About time I got my hands on this old fella, and by that I mean the file and not Mr. Westman himself. I've been trying to find the oldest one to get them out of the way as quickly as possible. This session is recorded on the 3rd of December, 2022, by Elias Manuel Short, therapist in training at Sunshine Valley Mental Institution. They ain't looking at you. They ain't looking at you, my ass. All you bastards ever do is lie. You lie to make me calm down, yet you have no idea how it feels. I know what I saw, alright? I have not lost my mind, no matter how many so-called doctors tell me so. Maybe you should focus your attention on the eyes that won't stop looking instead. I had it all figured out before this. I have my sweetheart and I have my job. Despite the terrible position in the hierarchy it gave me, I had a job to go to every morning when I woke up. So what if I didn't go to high school? Well, big deal. No one cared about it before I entered the job market, and all of a sudden it was an endless competition about who had the fancier title. That stuff never mattered to me, and I hate that I had to participate. I never said I was a wise man. Quite the opposite. I stand by my lack of education. That's not exactly why I'm upset, though. I'll make that very clear. I am upset because people are always watching me. And when I ask them to stop, someone always steps in to tell me that that's not the case, that I am simply being paranoid. I have never been a man of big words, but if I had been, I would have sworn that I was being gaslighted. Now hear me out before you go off on a rant about why anyone would choose to gaslight some random poorly educated guy. The thing is, I can't tell you why. I just know that it's happening. The whole world has it in for me, that's for sure. My family is probably not like yours. Or maybe you can nod along when I tell you that I am no stranger to gaslighting after 18 years in my parents' care, or the lack of it. My money quickly became our money, which is not practical when you're 14 and earning the bare minimum delivering newspapers. You become sneaky 
learn to lie, and most importantly, you learn to recognize when people are trying to fool you. The trick is to either play into their little game or turn the argument against them. That's why I know that I'm being played by everyone around me. The way they speak to me remind me of my parents. But enough about that. Before you guys somehow get the idea that I have some kind of unresolved childhood trauma, I can tell you that is not the case. I left my family behind as soon as possible and started my own life as far away from the borders of my home country of Denmark would allow me. I ended up in Copenhagen of all places, which was not ideal for an 18-year-old with barely any money to speak of. It just happened to be the furthest away I could get from my parents, so that's where I settled down. My apartment was obviously crappy. I mean, I had to stuff socks under the cracks of the door to keep out the draft at night. Still, at least I had a place to live. I took the first job that didn't care that I had dropped out of school and then I just had to commute back and forth from a minimum wage job that barely kept me living paycheck to paycheck. But that's just how life is for me. I can't tell you more than that because there is nothing to tell. People used to barely look at me, but when they did, it seemed like they felt bad about it. I never wanted people to see me. It's such a huge pressure to have on your shoulders, and I do not wish for anyone to expect anything great from me. I am not in any shape or form able to perform in a way that would satisfy anyone. I just want to live my mediocre life and pass away with no one by my side. I was traveling home one night, after a long shift at work. I do like late shifts, since that often means that there are fewer people pushed together in their already small compartments on the metro. The compartment I was in had seen better days, and so had the rest of the train. It was run down, and the walls had been covered in tags from different groups, and what I assumed should have been art, but it looked more like a five-year-old sketchbook. I've never really spent too much time paying attention to the people around me. I do prefer to be left alone, so I return the favor to the other passengers. Treat others like you want to be treated, or something like that. I'm not one for the poetic stuff. I just hope people stay out of my case if I leave theirs well alone. But that day, something felt out of place, somehow. I couldn't put my finger on what was bothering me, so I looked up from my own feet to instantly see a man staring at me. I was well freaked out. He wasn't just looking at me. No, this man was proper staring. I don't know if he thought I was some free entertainment or something, but I asked him straight up what the hell he was staring at. The idiot didn't even say anything. He just kept staring at me like a weirdo. I didn't want to yell at him because there was no way I was going to draw any more attention to myself. I looked around hoping that someone would say something to this guy. What I hadn't noticed until then was how unnaturally stuffed my compartment was. Everyone was staring at me, in the same creepy fashion the guy was. There was no way I was going to try to talk to any of these people, not even if you paid me for it. I might not be clever, but I'm not that stupid. I just looked back down my feet doing my best to not look back at the strangers that just wouldn't stop staring. I got off a few stops later, their eyes following me as I left. 
My pace was a little faster than usual as I tried to brush off that feeling the strangers had given me. Pulling my hoodie close against my head, I made my way home, not even daring to look at any of the strangers that passed me by on the sidewalk, both fearing and knowing full well that they were staring right at me. I would be lying if I said that I felt up for going to work the next day, and the fact that it would be an early shift having to travel to and from work during rush hour both ways didn't make it easier. Seemed like I would just have to pull on the biggest hoodie I could find in my closet and whatever jogging pants that didn't have some kind of odd stain on them. I don't know why, but my pants always seemed to get stained. Even when I didn't remember spilling anything on them, there it was, a stain on a pair of joggers that I swear I had washed just a few days earlier. But that doesn't really matter. Whether there was a stain on them or not would hardly have made much of a difference in what happened. I noticed it again. Almost the moment I left my apartment, heads turned to look at me, and I pulled my hood close against my face to avoid looking back. I was sure that I just had to get over the staring, so I rushed towards the station in such a hurry I almost fell when a rock was thrown in front of my feet. I stopped just in time, saving myself from an awful fall and a nasty bruise. I looked around, feeling very annoyed at this point, because who the hell throws rocks at some random guy on the street? I found the one responsible right away. It was a younger man. I didn't just assume he had been the one to throw it. Just so you know, he was holding another rock in his hand, staring straight at me. I lost it at him. I was mad. Really mad. The man had just thrown a rock at me. I could have gotten hurt. I screamed at him what the hell his problem was and how he had come up with the brilliant idea of throwing rocks at a stranger who hadn't done anything to him. And even if I had, it wouldn't have been okay for him to throw rocks at me. That was when the bastard started laughing. Like I had said something funny. <laughs> He wouldn't stop, he just kept laughing until I lost my temper and grabbed him. He huffed at me, telling me that he hadn't done anything to me and I had no right to get angry. I was just about to hit him when an older woman spoke up. She told me I had it all wrong, that the young man was innocent and I just hadn't been looking where I was going. I, I didn't believe it. Who was she to tell me what just happened? I had seen the rock myself. There was no way he hadn't thrown it at me. But more and more people started to gather around me, telling me point blank that it had all been my own fault. I, I ran away. You must think I'm a coward, but I didn't want to stay around and find out how many people were going to tell me that I was just blaming this poor guy for my own mistake. I just wanted to go to work and get this day over with, if eyes could kill, I would have exploded the moment I entered the metro. People started to whisper as I found a place to sit down. I was going to ignore it. But then, I was pushed onto the floor by an older man. He spat at me while the other people around us laughed. A woman helped me back on my feet. She told me I had to be more careful. That the older man had almost been pushed out of his seat because of me. I probably looked angry and confused because 
There was no way I could have pushed him since I had been the one on the ground. She sighed, saying something like, The youth today. I'm 35 years old, so not exactly what I would consider youth. I had to hold myself back to not slap her right there and then. My day went on like that. People I knew, as well as total strangers, came up to me just to be a problem. I got kicked, pushed into a desk. Someone even went out of their way to steal everything I had stored in my locker, placing it openly on their own desk. No matter how many times I tried to get a meeting with my manager, he insisted I was the one being a bother to my co-workers. I was apparently trying to talk bad about my co-workers behind their backs, and I came up with nothing but empty claims. As for my things, they had suddenly never been mine, even though I remember buying the teddy bear that had been left in my locker. I had bought it for my now-dead son. My wife had a stillbirth a few years back, and I kept the bear around for when I had a bad day. Yet it sat on my co-worker's desk, with the blue bow tied in the same way I had tied it so many years ago. But now it didn't belong to me anymore. I went home that night, wanting nothing but to hug my wife until I felt better. I didn't want to tell her the news I had gotten before I left work, but soon enough I would have to. My boss had fired me. Straight up, fired me. All because I had lied about what my co-workers had done to me. I hoped to tell her everything so she could reassure me that I had done nothing to deserve all of that. She was waiting for me by the door as I almost ran to make it there faster, feeling uncomfortable by the staring faces that followed me on my trip home. I barely got inside before she slapped me. There was no hesitation, she just struck me across the face. She had gotten a call from my boss, explaining the terrible things I had said while at work. She claimed to have always known I was worthless. I felt the sting of her hand on my cheek, wanting nothing but to hold her, yet her anger stopped me from reaching out to her. Her words hit me harder than her hands ever could. Sharp words went on telling me how much of a disappointment I was, and how awful I was to everyone around me. But that wasn't the most painful part. No, what really hurt way more than words will ever be able to explain was when she turned to me, her voice unlike what I'm used to, staring deep into my eyes, she said, It's your fault he's dead. You know that, right? You're the reason he didn't make it. I have thought about leaving you since you killed him. Since you took my son away from me. I'd rather she had slapped me again. Or even pulled out a knife and stabbed me. Because that would have hurt way less than hearing her say that. Our son passed away, and I am still dealing with the guilt of being unable to save him. He was stillborn, for God's sake. I have no idea what miracles I wish I had been able to pull, but I have blamed myself ever since his death. As she raised her voice, yelling at me in a cold fury that was so unlike my wife, I found myself scared of her for the first time in my life. She kept screaming that I killed him, and as much as I didn't want to admit it, I started to believe her. My own eyes and thoughts were lying to me, but deep down I knew that she was right. 
I had failed as a father. I couldn't save the only person that depended on me. You never realize how much words can do to a person, how the way others see us and talk about us can play a huge role in how you see yourself. The way she spoke to me set me into a fight-or-flight mode, and I ran before I could hurt the only woman I had ever loved. My legs felt almost numb as I ran as fast as they would carry me, heads turning fast to keep up with me all the way. I could hear some of their necks snap for moving too fast. The streets were lined with more people than I'd ever seen gathered in the streets before. Their heads had all been turned towards me, eyes never leaving me. They started to move towards me. Their bodies were almost like mannequins or stiff, zombie-like beings that you would see in a 1970s horror movie. Hands started to brush against me as I ran, their words turning into shouts. They were chanting. Every single wrong thing I had ever done in my life was being laid out for me. They were blaming me for everything. My dad passing away from cancer, my mom's alcoholism, the teacher who abused me. It was all my fault. Of course it was. I didn't even notice when I stopped running. Part of me just gave in to the chance, knowing full well that I would never be able to outrun what I had done. At the end of the day, it was all my fault. They're right. How could I ever doubt that? I have heard everyone around me. It's all my fault. I really wish it wasn't all my fault. Nick Westman was admitted to Sunshine Valley Mental Institution back in December 2009. He was found lying on the streets outside of a video store, his body convulsing and eyes white from being rolled back while foaming at the mouth. He didn't appear to be responsive and was instantly taken to the hospital, where they suggested the symptoms to be an effect of drug overdose. He was treated for his physical injuries before being sent to us. The diagnosis given to Mr. Westmond was a genetic condition called Huntington's disease. The condition often leads to movement as well as cognitive issues. The reasoning behind this is Westmond's learning disability, which is often seen in people with Huntington's disease. His mental health also seemed to fit with the symptoms we often see in patients with this condition, as they tend to have more than one mental illness. In Mr. Westmond's case, I would assess that he suffered from depression, anxiety, and PTSD as a result from his childhood trauma. It's hard to say if his condition is a result of drug abuse or mental illness, considering his own mom struggling with alcohol abuse. Mr. Westman was released from the hospital in 2014 after he claimed that the eyes no longer wished to look at him. Personally, I'm a little concerned about that decision, but as it stands, I was still in high school when Mr. Westman left Sunshine Valley. As far as my research go, there are no updates on his whereabouts or well-being. <sighs> that doesn't make any sense. What is going on? You know you're not technically allowed to have that, right? Oh, Scheiße! Uh, bless you? 
You scared the living bejesus out of me. <laughs> I didn't mean to sneak up on you like that. What are you even doing in my office in the first place? I was going to ask you how this session has been coming along, since I'm your manager and all that. But now I'm more interested to know why you're in possession of Simone Donahue's police file. I needed some clarifications, okay? Since something about her session didn't make sense. She was declared dead in our papers, right? But in the police papers, she's said to have committed suicide, and there's no mention of any of her injuries. So? It just doesn't make sense to me. That still doesn't give you the permissions you need to have that in the first place. I'm sorry, but I'm gonna have to take this with me. Dr. Timor, I must insist that you give that back. Look, I said I'm sorry, but we can get in serious trouble. What about all the other police files in the storage room? Those are police approved, and they have a seal. This one doesn't. I cannot believe you. You're nothing but a bootlegger, and I cannot wait for the day that I do no longer have to adhere to your every word. Alright then, but for now you are sadly stuck with me as your manager, so I'll see you tomorrow, Elias. Do try to behave. Whatever you say. Always so lovely talking to you, Elias. The pleasure's all yours. Circe's is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. Today's episode featured Alexander Bauma as Elias Emanuel Short, Henry Johannesson as Cairo Miras Timor, and Kim as Nick's wife. It was audio edited by Els Sari and Henry Johannesson. It was manuscript edited by Rita Bauma and Els Sari and written by Alexander F. Bauner. If you like the show, you can rate us on your podcatcher of choice, or even donate or buy some art on our Ko-fi. Want to know us better? Join our public Discord. All the links are in the episode description. If you've stumbled onto this station, don't attempt to adjust your device. My name is Mr. Graves, and I'll be your gateway to the sounds of the macabre. Get back or I'll shoot! I did what I had to do. Every two weeks, we'll have new terror-filled tales that will have you afraid to turn the lights off. Not too many folks want to stay somewhere that someone was found dead. I wanted to scream, but I knew I couldn't. What was that? Jeffries isn't here. Join me in our cast of victims for the scariest program of your life, Your Horror Show, premiering July 25th on all podcast platforms. Listen, if you dare.